Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the book of Genesis. I'm continuing my sermon series uh, in Genesis that I began back in the fall. We took a little break for Advent, and now here we are to begin uh, 2023 together. And we're looking at Genesis uh, chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. She had an Egyptian slave girl whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, you see that the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptians, her slave girl, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Now down to 15 and 16. Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, who Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him, Ishmael. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'll begin by asking you a question. Back when you were a child, did you ever run away from home? Really? Okay. Wow. (laughs) Once when I was about, I guess, 10 or 11 years old, I announced to my family that I was running away in order to find parents who are more fair and understanding. I told them that I was running away to go to a place where there weren't so many rules. I was going to go to a place where I would be appreciated. So I left the house, and I went down the street to my friend's house where we hung out in his garage all day long until I got a little hungry. And so I went back up the street and got home just in time for dinner where I took it upon myself to forgive my family for their errant ways. (laughs) Have you ever wondered if you were born into the wrong family? That is a question that may have haunted Ishmael. His father, Abraham, had panicked when God hadn't met his timetable. And so Abraham took that situation into his own hands, and he made a big mess out of things. I'd like for us to take a closer look at this story in Genesis. And so I invite you to join me as I now read from Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 22. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. God said, No, but your wife Sarah shall bear you a son, and you shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will bless him and make him fruitful and exceedingly numerous. He shall be the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant 
I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this season next year. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, uh, we know from the bitter experiences of our life what happens when we try to take matters into our own hands only to find out that our so-called brilliant solutions have only made things a whole lot worse. And so this morning, we pray that you might use the example of Abraham to teach us what it means to live by faith so that by humbly accepting your plan, even when we might feel helpless, we may achieve your highest and best intentions for our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So years before, God had appeared to Abraham and Sarah, who had no children at all at the time, and said, through you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In other words, don't worry, Abraham, it is going to happen. Oh, but Abraham worried, big time he worried, and he wondered, how can I be a father of a nation if I don't have any children? And so God comes down and reiterates his promise. God says, a son from your own body shall be your heir. Abraham, take a look up in the sky. Take a look at all those stars up there and count them if you can. Not even a calculator is going to be enough to number all of your descendants. Time passes. Nothing happens. And 11 years later, when Abraham is 86 years old, he hits the panic button. You see, there's still no little pitter-patter of feet around the house. And so Abraham figures that God must have had another idea in mind for him. And feeling like that biological clock is ticking, he decides to shove Sarah aside with her permission, and he consummates a relationship with Hagar, who is Sarah's maid. Now, that sounds absolutely scandalous today, but in ancient times, it was not uncommon, a kind of plan B for infertile couples to use one of their servants as a surrogate mother. And sure enough, Hagar conceives and she bears a son, Ishmael. Unfortunately, when Hagar becomes pregnant, she doesn't demonstrate a whole lot of class. In front of Sarah, she, she flaunts her pregnant belly as evidence of her own fertility and thus Sarah's infertility. And that so enrages Sarah that she drives Hagar out into the wilderness to wander around as an exile. But even with things just a bit dicey around the house, Abraham goes, problem solved. I've got me a son. I've got an heir. Because that little boy, Ishmael, in his arms is far more real than that half-forgotten promise that God had made years earlier. There's just one problem. God never forgets his promises. And when Ishmael is 13 years old and Abraham is 99 years old, God returns to Abraham and says, Abraham, about that son I promised you. And Abraham's pacemaker just about short circuits. 
And he says, son, what about Ishmael? And God says, no, Abraham, let me refresh your memory. I promise you and Sarah a son. His name is Isaac, and Isaac is the one through whom I will establish my covenant, and he will be born to you about this time next year. And it says, Abraham fell on his face laughing, probably to keep himself from crying because of the big mess that he had gotten himself into. Ishmael's are the things that we make happen. They are the the plan B of our lives. Isaac's are the miracles that God makes happen. And what's sad is that Abraham brought about Ishmael because of a lack of faith. Abraham settled for plan B. To quote a line in the old Glen Campbell song, Rhinestone Cowboy, there's been a load of compromising on the road to my horizon. Is it possible? Is it possible that we hardly ever think about plan A anymore? Maybe we don't even miss the dreams and plans that God had for us as his children. And Abraham may have thought, well, it would have been nice to have had a child with Sarah, but but this is okay, I can live with this. But as someone once said at a college graduation, your life will be defined by what you settle for. So let me ask you a question. Are you someone who has settled for plan B? You settled for a job instead of a calling. You settled for a marriage out of convenience rather than conviction. You settled for mere religion rather than a healthy, vibrant, generous, prayerful relationship with Jesus Christ. We probably all know people who fill their lives with plan B. Woulda, couldas, and shouldas, second best. They're a lot like the single woman who is so pessimistic about marriage that every time she went out on a date, her first thought was, is this the sort of man I want my children to spend every other weekend with? (laughs) There's someone who lost their, their great vision of plan A. Now that said, Ishmael's aren't all bad. Abraham loved Ishmael. Abraham cried when Ishmael was sent away. And God blessed Ishmael by promising to make him into a great nation and sent a miracle of water out in the desert to save him. Friends, there is something more important than our projects and our production, our settling for Ishmael's of life, and that is for us being part of what God is doing in our lives. And so as we gaze ahead into this new year of 2023, what are you going to be working on? Will you be working on Ishmael's or on Isaac's? Will you be content to just settle for plan B or C or even D? Or are you willing to step forward and be more involved in what God has in store for you, maybe even here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. To resist settling for plan B, we need to keep our faith, even when times are tough. One of my favorite acronyms is an acronym for faith, 
F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I trust him. That is the essence of faith. A quasi-faith, a pseudo-faith, you know what that does? That keeps plan B handy in the top right-hand drawer of our lives, just in case the wheels may come off of God's project. A quasi-faith, a pseudo-faith, keeps a Hagar around just in case God doesn't come through in the clutch. But true faith works without any kind of net underneath. Listen to what the Christian writer A.W. Tozier once said. What we very badly need these days is a company of Christians who are prepared to trust God as completely now as they know they must trust him on the last day. What a tragedy to come to that place in our lives where we have no one but God and then to realize we never really trusted him at all. Can you imagine trusting God now as much as you're going to have to trust him on the day you die? Because on that day, there isn't going to be anyone else you can trust. And so we need to trust God now as if it were that day. But instead of doing that, Abraham makes that decision. He thinks, well, God isn't overly interested in meeting my needs, so I guess I'm just going to have to take the bull by the horns and meet them myself. Now, if we want to be fair, I think we can concede that Abraham was between that proverbial rock and a hard place. He was in a situation in which he felt helpless. He had to wait, and he had to wait, and he had to wait, and he had to wait some more, but no Isaac. And he felt helpless. And I bet he began to wonder, hey, God, are you really with me in all of this? And in that moment of plan B, his faith weakened and he settled. And we can understand why. He, he chose that human plan B over God's obscure plan A because he was tired. He was tired of feeling helpless and powerless and weak. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that incredible helpless, powerless weakness that maybe Abraham and Sarah felt? You felt helpless in wanting to work on your marriage, which was in trouble, but it was with a spouse who had already mentally checked out of the relationship. You felt helpless in being in a job where no matter how hard you tried, your boss never had the slightest positive thing to say to you. Helpless because it feels like there's this elephant charging at you and all you have in your hand is a Nerf gun. But friends, in that moment, we step into a paradox that is at the very heart of the gospel where the apostle Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am powerless is when God comes into my life with power. It's only when we can stand before him, helpless like Abraham, empty and barren like Sarah, that his miracles happen in our lives. Act on your own, you create an Ishmael. Act without prayer, we create an Ishmael. Act without faith in Jesus Christ, and we settle for plan B in our lives. But pray, trust, believe, hang in there. 
even when the odds seem extraordinarily long or God seems distant and far away, and we will give birth to an Isaac, to joy and laughter in our lives. I think another thing that we need to remember is that we are not alone as we wait upon God. You see, the thing that got Abraham into big trouble in the first place is that he thought it was all up to him. You know, I love this time of year with all the football games on TV, and I've been working on a play that I think can help my Giants against the Eagles in the game today. (laughs) So I want you to envision with me a giant whiteboard, and I'm going to give you the X's and O's of my play. In the Christian life, you and I face a defensive line made up of fear, sin, Satan, who plays nose tackle, despair, worry, and separation. The linebackers we face are sorrow, trials, and unbelief. The deep defensive backs are darkness and death, acquired in a trade from the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) The offensive line in the Christian life are love, joy, grace, Jesus Christ playing center over Satan, hope, peace, and faith. The quarterback is prayer. The blocking backs are resurrection and light. The ball carrier is you, the Christian. Here's the play. Jesus Christ, who is the center, snaps the ball to prayer and brings down Satan. Prayer spins around and hands the ball off to you, the Christian. Prayer takes worry out of the play. Faith removes unbelief. Peace overcomes trials. Hope blocks despair. Grace covers sin. Joy erases sorrow. Love casts out fear. Light wipes out darkness. Resurrection overcomes the last enemy, death. And you and I run to glory into the end zone, marked eternal life. Here's the point. We are not alone as we live out our Christian lives. We have unseen spiritual blockers all around us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask any decent running back and they will tell you that you're only as good as you're blocking. And so as we move forward into this new year, Jesus Christ promises to go before us as we face the challenge and obstacles that invariably will come our way. And then finally, we need to remember that in the birth of Isaac, we discover something very powerful, and that is that God keeps his promises. Sometimes I think we forget the power of God's spoken word because just by saying something God makes it happen after church today many of you are going to come out those doors and I'll greet you with have a great day and I really mean that but if God were to say to you have a great day it's like the publishers clearinghouse sweepstakes people show up on your doorstep it happens it happens God told Isaiah my word which goes forth from my mouth will not return empty but accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God said, let there be light. There was light. God said, let there be a baby in Sarah. There was a baby in Sarah. And that is the reason why we can hang our lives on the promises of God. Nordstrom department store has a reputation amongst retailers for having the best return policy for its customers. They have this unconditional return policy with no time limit. Now, does that get them into trouble? You bet it does. 
Well, several years ago, a man walked into a Nordstrom store in Fairbanks, Alaska, trying to return two snow tires. And after back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, they got Bruce Nordstrom, the CEO of Nordstrom's, on the phone, who said, for heaven's sake, give the man a refund. With the issue being that Nordstrom doesn't even sell snow tires. <laughs> Please forgive me for what I'm about to say. God is like Nordstrom. <laughs> God makes all these outlandish promises that seem too good to be true and too ridiculous to believe. And that's why I love the words from the old German theologian Helmut Thilica. He said, in the end, God always gives us everything we ever dreamed of, but nothing we ever expected. And so, friends, what Isaac does God want you to bring into the world? in 2023. Take hold of the promises of God. Hang in there, even through the tough times. And above all, expect a miracle. Don't settle for plan B. God wants you to have his highest and best. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Our gracious God, I'm sure that there are people sitting here this morning or at home or wherever they may be watching who are experiencing a kind of helplessness of Abraham or maybe even a barrenness of Sarah. They're going through a period where there's no fruit evident in their lives. There's only problems, financial problems, relationship problems, child problems, health problems. And God, we have prayed and prayed and prayed, but there's still no sign of Isaac. And yet, Lord, we still continue to pray with patience as we wait so that we might not settle for plan B, for an Ishmael, or, or dig ourselves so deep in a hole that only you will be able to get us out of it. So in the meantime, we pray that you would not give up on us that you would help us in our moments of weakness and powerlessness to wait upon you and to trust in your promises. Lord, we pray that you would come this morning and walk these aisles and speak words of tender encouragement, hope, and care, that you would speak words of power that change and transform us from the inside out. Help us to see you at work in our relationships in our families, in our jobs, and yes, in this church. Lift us into the stratosphere of your highest and best for each of our lives. And it's in your Son's name, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, that we pray all of this. Amen.